Welcome to the new School of Success. I'm Nick Maytash. And I'm Julian Rosen, and we are here to flip the game of success on its head. No more hustle, no more grind. Just the tried and true principles to help you win at life on your own terms. Class is in session. What is going on, you amazing human beings? It is Nick Maytash. And we're going to give you a special treat this week for the New School of Success, just because we love you. And that treat is going to be that on Wednesday of this week, you're going to get what we would call a megasode. And that megasode is going to include Julian, myself, and a good friend of ours, John Marone. And John Marone is a coach. He's a leader, just like Julian and myself. He does powerful things in this world. And the three of us will sit around a digital table and really jam on some stuff that's really powerful and important. And we want to bring that to you. But we're going to do so on Wednesday. On Monday and Tuesday of this week, you are going to get to hear some really cool stuff as well, though. Because John has his own podcast called The Power of Progression. And he's had myself and Julian on his podcast separately. So John has been kind enough to send us those interviews. So on Monday and Tuesday of this week, you'll get to hear those interviews, the individual interviews with Julian and myself. You'll get to know a little bit more about our specific backgrounds, our stories, and what got us to the place of where we are now in this place of of leadership and coaching and coming to you guys every week on the new School of Success and, and trying to deliver things that can be important and meaningful to you in your lives. So this week, you get three episodes from us. You're going to get one today, tomorrow, and Wednesday. And starting today, you're going to get the interview that John did with myself on his podcast. Tomorrow will be Julian and John. And then on Wednesday, you're going to get a really awesome chat with John, Julian, and myself, all three of us really bringing together some powerful concepts for you. So I can't wait to give that all all away to you. So listen in. Let us know what you're thinking. Let us know how you feel about all this awesome stuff we're bringing to you this week because we would love to do more things like this at the New School of Success. All right, friends, enjoy the interview. We'll see you, all three of us will see you, I should say, on Wednesday. Welcome back to another episode of The Power of Progression. I'm so excited to introduce my next guest, Nick Maytash. He's a husband, a father, a men's life coach, and author of the book, Moving Past Mediocre, Unlocking Your Mind to Create the Life You've Always Imagined. Now, he's on a mission to awaken men to their truest self, and he's doing that through helping them find their emotions and creating more passionate, heart-centered leaders in this world. Now, he's always leaning on the idea of it could be worse as his crutch to the point that he never even asked himself if it could get better. He was stuck in a world of mediocrity, but with one bold decision and years of intentional work on mindset and interstate, he can now look back knowing he is not settling for anything less. Now, he's overcoming average and doing the work to create something extraordinary, and he's here to share it with you. Nick, my man, what is going on? John, thank you for having me. I am looking forward to this conversation. I've been, I mean, your energy is just infectious. So let's, let's jam. Yes, let's do it. So first off, Nick and I, um, we connected through mutual friends, Julian Rosen. um, And we're going to talk about a podcast that you guys have coming out. And we're also going to talk about this amazing book that you wrote. But let's kind of rewind real quick. I always like to get people's backstory. right? And, And it's funny because everybody listening, they all know, you know, when I bring people on, I'm like, always like, Hey man, what did you overcome? Hey, what did you overcome? But I love what you wrote is like, I didn't really overcome that much as far as I didn't have a lot of bad things that happened to me, but I overcame average. Yeah. I think that's huge because I get a lot of clients think that are like, yeah, I, I didn't hit rock bottom. How do I bounce so far high if I didn't hit rock bottom? And they're stuck in this like teetering of being average. So let's first start with who Nick is and, and kind of uh, you know, how you grew up. Yeah, man. Um, so I, I grew up in Niagara Falls, New York. So if anybody has ever gone to, um, into to Niagara Falls, you probably went to the Canadian side, frankly, because that's like the nicer, more built up side. 
but that's where I grew up and it was, you know, middle class, nothing too crazy. We didn't have all the, the bells and whistles, but we had, you know, a very, um, just a pleasant life that I grew up in. And to, to your point, there was really nothing in my childhood and my young adulthood that was tragic or like traumatic to me. That was something that I needed to, to get over or overcome in that sense. Um, but when I got married, what happened to me was like, it wasn't so much that I needed to, to fix myself. I just looked at my wife and I knew we were going to have kids and have a family someday. And it really just became this mission of mine. It, it was like this instant switch that went off. I need to be the exact person that this woman agreed to spend her life with. And yes, she agreed to the person that, that I proposed as like, I was a good dude. I wasn't a bad dude, but I knew that I just, I, there was something inside of me that needed to kind of evolve to a human being that could be the best husband, the best father. And it, it just sent me down this rabbit hole of personal development. Frankly, I, I read a bunch of books. I listened to all the podcasts. I hired coaches and I just wanted to get inside the head of people that had built up amazing lives for themselves. Um, so I, I just spent the last, you know, four or five years doing that after we got married and uh, yeah, true to your point, like I, I didn't have to hit rock bottom and it was kind of something that I had conflict with when we began, like when I began the process, because I look at all these heroes journey stories where there's a very specific spot at the, you know, where we hit rock bottom, where there's um, like their backs against the wall. And I'm like, I don't have that. So what am I supposed to do here? And the truth of the matter is, it doesn't matter where you're starting from, as long as you have this trajectory that this is where I want to go, this is the vision that I have, and this is the, the person I want to become, that's, that's where you need to start from. And it, when you hit rock bottom, the, the point, you know, that the reason that that's a powerful, and I, I say in quotations, a powerful place to be, is because you have no other option. You have to look to what's better than where you are. But when I was sitting in this place of like, I'm a good dude, I have a decent job, my life's okay, but... I want to make sure that it's optimal. I want to make sure it's the most amazing thing that I can look back with pride on. And um, so that was kind of that place of, of looking to the, the future and saying, what does that vision look like for me? Whereas somebody that maybe hit rock bottom, they have no other shot than like, we got to figure out something that's better than where we are right now. Whereas I was just kind of in that average spot, like things are okay, things are fine, but what's, what's bigger than this? And then that just sent me on this tailspin of like, let's figure that out. And here I am figuring out still, like I haven't figured it all out, but I got some stuff. <laughs> Look, man, you're never going to figure it all out, right? It's, no. it's always a learning process. So getting comfortable being uncomfortable is something I always talk about as being the first step to success. Get comfortable being uncomfortable. And for somebody that, like you said, was just kind of sitting there and, and, and playing not to lose playing to win that type of you know battle um yeah everybody that's listening to this now they might be that i'm like dude i got like a good nine to five uh you know I'm, I'm making good money i see some people that are way you know doing way worse than me i also see people that are doing better than me but i do want more but i don't know what the first step is to go get more right so i keep coming back to this average quote-unquote life what would you tell them? Hey, look, this is what, this is the first thing you need to do. Here's the second thing you need to do to get out of that comfortable state and truly build a life that you really imagine, not that you're just comfortable with. I would say the first thing and, and the most important thing that, that worked for me was reading a bunch of books, not so much for the, the sake, like I hate when people like tell you to read books just to, to go and read books and post about it on Instagram and say like, I read 10 books this week. That's not who cares? The point is like uh, exposing yourself to ideas that are outside the box of what you grew up with, what you were given from your parents. Cause we all had like these generational hand-me-downs that like, you know, money beliefs, love beliefs, all of these things are just kind of osmosis passed on to us. Read things, expose yourself to things, get involved with things that are outside of what you have known your entire life. And it's not to say that what you've known your entire life is wrong or it's bad. It's just that you need exposure to something different if you want to create a life that is different. If you want to just keep spinning the wheels and staying in what your comfort zone is, cool, then don't do that. But if you want something different and to kind of start to figure out what that next step is for you and, and like what you should be starting to do to, to create this life that you want, 
it really does start with exposing yourself to some ideas outside of the realm of what you've already known. Because if, if you don't, it's, there's no way that your mind's going to be able to create something from the, the foundational set point that you've been, been, been given. You need something new. You need some new ideas, some new information. And then you can merge that with what you've already known and start to kind of create something from there. Cause that's what I did. Like but there was nothing wrong with my upbringing. There was nothing, you know, uh, terrible about it. I love my parents. I love that, you know, the place I grew up in, but there are certain things that I just wasn't exposed to. And it took, you know, reading about like Tony Robbins or reading, um, you know, I, this bookshelf of books over here in my office that I've read all these books. It's just all these different perspectives are so important when you're trying to create something, because if you only have the beliefs that you grew up with or the information that you were given and, and taught over the years, and that's it, you're pretty limited. If you want to be limitless and start to really open up your life, you need to kind of give yourself that mental space and information space to do so. Otherwise, you're just going to kind of stay stuck where you are. I love that. So challenge your thinking is basically what you're saying. Challenge your thinking and do it by looking at other avenues, whether it's books, podcasts, or whatever it might be to, to expand your mind, right? To expand your identity. Yeah. You talked about books. What was let's just say the catapult, uh, you know, one of the best books you read to really look outside of your normal beliefs and say, Oh, wait, hold on a minute. There's actually way more to life or to thinking or to growth than I actually thought there was. What's one of the books, uh, that you can go ahead and, and drop right now besides so, your own. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. Right. Um, but yes, the first answer to the question is not a traditional, like uh, a book that most people have on their bookshelf as a personal development book to be frank, when I got married, the first thing that I thought as a, as a American, an American citizen was like, I need to get my money game, right? That was the first thought that I had. So I read this book that my mom had given to me years prior. It was called the total money makeover by Dave Ramsey. And it, it was just like the first book I'd read cover to cover in years. And it wasn't like this super philosophical thing. It was just a book that had a lot of tactical ways to, to kind of get rid of some debt, start saving some money. And it just felt like a very practical thing to read as a new husband that wanted to get his money game straight. And it's not that I learned so much from the, the, the teachings of Dame Ramsey. It's just that he had a couple processes in the book that I took the information, I implemented them into my life and I saw results. Like we paid off both of our cars within a year and a half or something. And we, you know, it, I think we, the loans were like four or five years long. We ended up paying extra and it, it paid off the cars. And it was just like this really, really cool thing to take information from a book, use it and see result. And that was really the catalyst to, you know, going into other books of, of growth and personal development and self-help and like with this trust and knowing that there's information in these things that if I were to take them into my life and use them, it could really help what, what's going on in my life. So that was kind of the catalyst, the first one. Um, but after that, the, the next one that really rocked my world was Mindset by Carol Dweck. And I know that one's more of a, um, it's, a it's a high flyer. It's a, it's a, you know, marquee billboard personal development book that most people have heard of. Um, but ironically, it was a book that was gifted to me when I, because uh, I'm also a high school teacher. So I, um, I was hired by this school district and they gave us a little gift basket on our first week of work. And in the, the gift basket was this book mindset. And it was shortly after I had read the Dave Ramsey book and I was like, okay, all right, I'll give this book a shot too. And that book just kind of showed me a very clear distinction between fixed mindset and growth mindset. And I had already kind of seen myself in the growth mindset role, but I also saw little pieces of me that were very fixed and uh, parts of me that were like, mm, there's nothing really else that I can do here, whether it be financially or in my health and fitness. Like I, I saw some of my flaws and weaknesses and I was like, oh, okay. And then I just took the same template that I did with the Dave Ramsey book was like, take the information, use it, see what happens. And everything that I've come across since then, whether it be a book or a podcast or a coach that I've hired, like it's take the information, use it, see what happens. And the beautiful thing is, most of the time, something's going to happen. Now, sometimes it's not like, you know, next level, my life has changed forever type stuff. But seeing that just, you know, you have this human capability of taking information and using it and getting some kind of result from it. 
I became frankly addicted to it. So that was kind of the, the, the two starting points was the Dave Ramsey and then the Carol Dweck book. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and you know, that, that mindset book is, is a phenomenal book. If you guys have a list to it def, or read it, definitely go read it. Now you said something I think a lot of people don't do. You, you kind of started prior to this conversation about it. Hey, you know, it's don't read 10 books this week and post on Instagram. Yeah. Like, Hey man, I read one book and I just took action. I read yeah. another book and I took action. You know, the, the whole theory, the average CEO reads about 57 books a year, 65, right. I don't know how many books. It, it, that doesn't make a difference whether you're 57 or you read five. It's about that implementation of the information. And I love how you said, man, I got addicted to it. I got addicted to it. Guys, listen, he got addicted to seeing growth. He got addicted to the progress, but it only started with taking the information and then creating some implementation. So when you guys are listening to this podcast or reading his book, Moving Past Mediocre, I want you guys to do yourself a favor, take a few days and just start implementing. Like don't look for the next book. Don't wait for the next podcast. Like just start implementing because yeah. that's when you start seeing progress. Now that doesn't mean get your ass back in to a book or a podcast, right? Remember what got you there. Remember what got you there. But sure. I love that distinction. Do you mind real quick telling us what that process is for Dave Ramsey? Do you remember it? So yeah, sure. I'll share very quickly. It was called the snowball method. And uh, what you do is you kind of look at all your debts and you, and it's more of a psychological method than really a financial one. Cause I think financially the more sound approach is to find whatever your debt is with the largest interest rate and get rid of that first because that's going to build up the most over time. So get rid of that. Dave Ramsey's approach is take the one that is the smallest, um, you know, net amount and get rid of that one. Cause it's going to give you this psychological hit of, I can pay off things and I can get, you know, I can take action and, and get things done. So we looked at all of our debts and, you know, student loans and everything. And we looked at the two cars and they were a couple hundred bucks a month, you know, for the next three or four years. But if we paid extra, you know, we would pay them off fairly quickly. So, we, I think we did my wife's car first. We put a little extra towards her car, paid that off quickly. Then we took the extra amount of money. And this is where the snowball comes in. You take the money that you were putting towards the first thing. So the, the money that we were putting towards my wife's car, let's say was 300 bucks. Instead of taking that and saying, we're going to, I'm going to save this money or spend it on vacation. We took that exact amount of money and started putting that extra amount on top of my car payment. So like my car payment was like 220 a month plus the 300 we were now taking from my wife's car. And that just compounded and compounded. And my, my car was paid off within a few months after that. So it was just like taking this smallest debt paid off, use the money you were paying towards that, towards the next smallest thing and continue down the process um, and, and let it roll from there. So we, we paid off the two cars. Um, we really didn't have any huge debt after that. So we, we took the, after the cars were paid off, we started to use that towards saving and doing other things with our money. But using that just to pay off the two cars was like, okay, so there are things that I didn't know about. This is where the book stuff comes in. I didn't know about this information or I didn't know how to take care of it. Like money can be a very intimidating thing for a lot of people. I just was like, all right, cool. Let's try it and see what happens. And it, it freed up a lot of money for us. So that was the, the little method there. I love that, man. And, and anybody listening, that's a great way to get yourself uh, momentum into paying some things off. And, and what Nick had said kind of aligns, man, with what you said before. You're like, you know, really all it was was just believing I could pay things off, right? It was just taking a small action step. It wasn't like, hey, go spend, you know, 1500 on, you know, the biggest one you have, the biggest interest. It's, it's pay the $100 one off to right. grab momentum. It's take that small action step to compound into other action steps. Right. Same thing when you're listening to a, a podcast or reading a book, it's like, just start taking those small steps that compound into bigger ones. Yeah. You talked about before you really started this personal growth, um, you know, a real reaction in your life, you met your now wife. Yeah. Do you feel it's because you figured out a why on why you really started making a change in your life? Did you have a why before that? Or were you just doing what you're doing to just do what you do? Uh, so I'll actually say this in the intro of the book, it kind of alludes to what my life was in terms of the mediocrity that I speak to. Yeah. And uh, that was before I met my wife, but I was dating this other girl for like four and a half years. And I was the type of relationship where you, 
you know that they're a good person, but they're just not your person. Like we were kind of going through the motions. I probably knew well before it was over that it was, it was not going to be my forever, but I just kind of got familiar with the, you know, the kind of culture of our relationship. It was just, we're going to go through the motions. We're going to ride this thing out. We're in our early twenties. And I was like this very naive kid that thought at 24, like maybe we should start thinking about marriage. No, thank God I didn't. But like I was, within the context of that relationship where I was kind of living this very mediocre life, everything else about my life was, was quite mediocre. Like I was working at this school that I did not enjoy. It was just a paycheck. Um, you know, I was going to the gym, but I was still kind of eating like crap. So I was not really honoring that process well. And just everything in my life was just, all right, it was okay. And then at some point, like I just decided, I'm like, I can't, be in this relationship. The, the, that was the one big decision I made was I can't be in this relationship anymore. And I, I spent a lot of time thinking about like, is this the right thing to do? Is it the wrong thing to do? And a friend of mine was like, listen, what, what do you want to do? Don't worry about, yes, you're going to make her sad. Yes, you're going to upset her and, and her life. And it's going to be, you know, uh, in transition for her. But like, what, what means something to you here? And I was like, oh, and just that little bit of insight from a friend who was just probably letting me talk through my, my situation, it was like this fire that just grew within me. I'm like, all right, so I'm done here. And then as soon as that relationship was over, that was kind of that marker that was like, I now know what I want my relationship to look like because I had the contrast of what I didn't want it to look like. And again, it wasn't like this girl was a bad person. It wasn't like she treated me poorly. It was just, it wasn't what I wanted. I wasn't connected to her in the way that I'm connected to my wife. So that ended in May of 2013, I think. Yep. And then I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to be single. I'm going to go out with the boys. I'm really going to enjoy myself. I'm in my mid twenties. I'm not going to date anybody for two years. I said this like out loud to people. I'm not going to date anybody for two years. I met my wife a month later. Um, so needless to say, I took that, that, uh, that statement off the board, but it's, it was funny because as soon as I was done with that relationship, like I said, I knew what I wanted. I knew what that relationship was supposed to look like. And I met my wife on an elevator and we got to talking and we're texting for a while. And I was like, just the vibe of what's going on here is what I wanted. I wanted it to be fun. I wanted it to be connected. I didn't want it to be, and obviously in the beginning of a relationship, all of these things are usually present, but I just felt like a very, um, strong connection to this woman. And as soon as that kind of got fired up and really became this, this official and like real thing to me, that became my why. I was like, all right. So I found the person that's going to be the center of my world. Now I just got to build this huge world around it. Not to say that I need all of the nice things and all of the fancy cars. Like when I say build a big world, like one that we can feel free and have fun in and just not feel restricted by anything. And that was kind of the beginning of me moving past mediocre was making that decision for myself and seeing that not only are the things that I really want out there for me, because as soon as I broke up with the, the one girl, I met my wife a month later. I always call my wife like my gateway drug because it's because <laughs> like, frankly, before I met her, I had this idea that love was this, I, th this thing that you just kind of show up to and you're pleasant with each other and you're civil but it's not like passion. It's not connected. It's just, you're there. And then my wife showed me like, Oh no, it can be much, much better than that. So then I just look at how she shook me with love. And I look at the rest of my life. I'm like, Oh, money could be easier. It could be more fun. It could be, you know, more expansive or my health and fitness. I could be shredded. And right now I'm not like, it's, it was this very amazing gift that my wife gave me. And she doesn't even know that she gave it to me in this way, but she just gave me the, very clear distinction that what I want is available to me and what I think is real isn't. I can expand my viewpoint on anything if I allow myself to do so. She was just like this very circumstantial, like she popped into my life and I was like, oh, this is, this is awesome. I wonder what the rest of my life could look like if I saw it the same way. You know what I mean? She was the light, man. She was the light. Do, do you mm -hmm. feel that people listening, they cannot get the things that they truly want that they're holding on to things that they don't want, whether it's beliefs, people, things, whatever it might be. Do you think that the world will not 
allow the things that they want that they truly want in their life if they're still having the things that they don't want in their life if they're still compromising with those bad habits negative people negative thoughts whatever it is yeah i think there's a certain level of letting go that needs to happen in order for you to the way that i kind of say it to my clients and speak to it is like you have to create space for the things that you want and sometimes that means getting rid of bad habits some beliefs that don't serve you some people that maybe are kind of destructive in your life like you have to create space for the better things to come in because um i don't know if it's in chemistry or physics or both but there's like this law of conservation of energy like you don't get to create it and you don't get to delete it you just get to displace it so like you you only get to remove something and add something in right away like you don't get to create more it's just you have to move something out to move something in so when it comes to like your relationships or your belief system or the, just the way that you think about work and think about money, like if you want to hold on to the, like that victim mindset of like, I can never get by, but you also want to make a ton of money. Good luck. You can't have both. Like you have to let go of the one thing to get to, to let the other thing be available to you. It's not like it can cram itself into your life even though you have all these, these other things that are very contradictory to it. Because having that self-conflict within yourself, it just keeps you stuck. Because on one hand, you're like, you know, I, I'm a victim to, you know, my environment, or I'm a victim because my job doesn't allow me to make enough money or whatever. And then on the other hand, there's this part of you that really wants to make a lot of money or really wants to create an amazing life. And when you have both of those trying to exist in the same space, they kind of just cancel each other out. It's like one plus one minus, and now you got zero. So it's, it is a certain level of letting certain things go so you can bring in the good, you know, figuring out what those things are that need to get let go. I think there's a certain part of you that probably already knows. You've just been kind of very hesitant to let it go. I think I was the same way with my ex-girlfriend was I knew for a very long time within that relationship, like this isn't the thing for me, but I'm just going to hang on to it because it, it felt safe. It felt familiar. It felt like, I don't know what's outside of this. Like there's this certain level of what's unknown outside of the thing you're trying to let go that scares the crap out of all of us. But if you don't let it go, if you don't see what that unknown looks like, then you'll never know what amazing things could lie within that same space that you're scared of because there's equal parts scary and really awesome and amazing. You just have to be brave enough to let go of what was before to kind of step into what's new. I love that, man. I love how you you mentioned how victim mentality and victor mentality can't coexist no and i think it's it's like you said it's almost like you can't have both and then that's where that mediocre life comes in like yeah. when you want more but you're not being more right and you're not allowing more into your life and that mediocre life just sits there and you just go through the the, the emotions basically and also you made a point about safe like people are are, are so scared to break out of that safe zone and that comfort zone because they're so scared of what's beyond it, right? What's mm-hmm. beyond it. So they just put themselves through years of bad marriages, years of, you, you know, the people around them, years of going to a job they hate. Yeah. What, like, what, what is one thing, if someone's listening to this right now, they're like, I know I'm in that like flux zone right now of like, right. I want to be a victor, but I'm, a, I'm also a victim. I, I, I want to go take the risk, but I'm, I also want to be safe. Like if they're in that flux zone, what is one thing they could do besides reading the books and all that stuff? Like what's an action step they could do to get out of that flux zone to say, okay, here we go. This is the first step I'm going to take. What would you say is one big step they could take? Yeah, this is um, something that uh, a mentor of mine, Tommy Baker talks about a lot. And it's something that I've used here and there, but I think a lot of us have heard of or think about this idea of visualization to, kind of project what we want in life that, you know, create the amazing view of what you want in terms of your home and your marriage and everything like that. He calls this thing called reverse visualization or something along the lines where you take where you're at. And, you know, if you're in this flux zone, you probably have a certain like internal struggle about like, do you want to do something different with your life and so on. If you were to take your exact station of life right now and project it out five years from where you currently are, just sit with what that looks like, what that feels like. Are you going to be happy? Are you going to be miserable? Because frankly, the five years are going to pass no matter what you do. So if you project yourself five years into the future, doing exactly what you're doing, living the same way, going to the gym the same way, living in the same relationship that maybe you're not thrilled by. And yes, I know 
it's scary to make that decision. I've lived in that decision of like, should I break up? Should I not break up? Should I leave this job? Should I not leave this job? Like that's a scary decision to make. But if you look five years into the future and you're doing the exact same thing, are you going to be excited about living those next five years? Or are you going to be bummed that, you know, five years are going to pass and you're just going to be in the same spot? Because frankly, if you make the decision and you leave the relationship, you leave the job, you do something different, to think that it's going to, you know, be the, the you know, make or break moment in your life is, is what's causing so much pressure. Like everything is fixable. Everything is maneuverable. Like you make that decision to leave the job and maybe the next step doesn't work out, but maybe it didn't work out. So three steps down the road, you find the perfect thing. Or, you know, maybe you leave that relationship and you don't find love for two years and you go through this process of meeting people that don't really vibe with you, but that just gives you more information about who you want to meet. And eventually you find that person. Like my wife, before meeting me, she went through her trials and tribulations. She had her, um, you know, her heart broken several times, but like through that, she like had this amazing filter of like, nope, don't want that kind of guy. Nope, don't want that kind of guy. So when I showed up, like I uh, somehow magically fit the bill for her and she didn't want to entertain anything else because I wasn't what she had experienced. She had that contrast. So there's always, as you go to make that big decision and jump into the unknown, yeah, it's going to be scary, but you either will, the whole idea, you either win or you learn. Like you're either going to get the amazing thing that you're looking for, or you're going to learn how to find that amazing thing. Because right now, like I said, you project five years from where you are. If you're in that space where you're like, I don't really like what's going on. It's going to only feel worse in five years. Cause that's a lot of time to spend in the space that you currently are a little bit iffy about because the iffy is going to turn to despair and destruct destruction. And like, it's just not going to stay iffy. It's only going to get worse if you kind of know in your heart, that's kind of where it's headed. So just, see yourself in five years and play that game with yourself. And it's not going to be fun, but it'll give you the motivation to maybe make a decision today. Yeah, man, that's, that's gold right there, guys. I, I talk about it, it's called future pacing, right? And, and when I have people go through my retreat or whatever it is, I take them through a meditation where I give them the true visualization of what that looks like. Sure. And I, I actually just, it's so weird that you said that because I, right before our call, um, I actually posted, uh, and there's no way you could have saw it because it was literally at the simultaneous time, Posted, I did an interview with Patrick Bet David. I'm not sure if you know who he is. Uh, Decker millionaire, PHP agency creator and owner. Um, and I had, a, I went to his office. I interviewed him. Now I want to say, because I lived in Dallas at the time. It was probably like November-ish. Mm-hmm. And I, so I interviewed him and somehow we got on the same topic. And he literally like said the same exact thing of like, hey, I just basically sat there and was like, and he went 10 years. He went 20 years, you know, sitting, sure. you know, when, when, when you have your, kids at your funeral what are they thinking right Right. and get so deep and i literally just posted the video that he shared um on his uh facebook onto my facebook so it's just so funny how it all aligns Um, (laughs) and and maybe that's a sign for for me to take even bigger steps right i don't know Um, but it's it's true man that future pacing it's going to be scary but it's it's needed in order to 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 make you move right and and as humans we only make decisions off of pain or pleasure yeah and most of us make decisions off of pain. Like, Ooh, we don't want to be overweight, so we're not going to eat that. Oh, you know, we don't want to go ahead and get arrested, so we're not going to go into that fight, right? Like, whatever right. the case might be. So that pain of looking forward, it's going to hurt in that current moment. What's going to hurt worse is that five years when you do do the same thing every day and you don't get out of this iffy, you know, safe environment. Let's, yeah. let's talk about your book, man. So uh, moving past mediocre, tell us a little bit about why you wrote the book, um, and, and kind of what to expect out of the book and, and anything else you want to let us know. Sure. So the book is broken down into three different parts. Um, it's really about the mind, the subconscious mind versus the conscious mind and like understanding that about yourself. Yeah. And the first part of the book is all about the subconscious mind and the common patterns and behaviors that we all kind of get stuck in that don't allow us to move outside of the world that we're currently living in. So, and by the way, this is not me writing or preaching from a place of like judgment or like this is how you're supposed to live guys because every single thing that is written about in this book is things that I've lived through because as you read each chapter it's a story about my life like I'm giving you examples of like this is what I did and here's how we don't do this again people so um, like the first part of the book is all of like the subconscious things that get in the way like 
the subconscious block of you're not allowed to have it all. Like you don't get to have what you think you want, like what you desire. Um, the subconscious block of the fear of success, which is something that I dealt with greatly when I started my coaching business. The whole idea that we all fear failure, that's a given, sure. But we fearing success is something that people kind of, I don't know, brush off. Like it's not a thing. But the way that I like to talk about it is like, your, your body, your subconscious mind fears change, period. Failure is changed because it takes you below where you're currently at. So that's stuck, you know, that sucks. But success is gonna change you too because that's gonna take you above where you're currently at. Now, objectively, those things usually are better than what your current life is, but it is going to be different. So my fear of success, for instance, was when I started my coaching business, I looked at my life and um, my daughter, she wasn't born yet, but she was, my wife was pregnant with her. And I thought that, coaching meant taking time away from my family. So I saw my success as a coach, having all these clients, having all of the success in that, in that light, that was going to take away from me being the family man that I knew myself that I wanted to be. So that little piece of fear inside of me made my coaching business so much more hard to, so much harder to create clients and meet people and like go out there and really say that I am this coach. It took a lot of internal work to get over that. And, and by get over it, I, I'm still working through it because as we get to every level, we need to relearn the lesson. But mm-hmm. it's, that. It's, um, it, it was something that like just dawned on me halfway through the process. Like, what am I so scared of? I want to go to this, this place of success to, to bring wealth to my family. Like it was about serving others, sure, but also bringing income into my family. Why is that scary to me? And then a coach of mine was like, yeah, but you, the way that you're describing this to me, you're saying that your success means you take yourself away from your family. And I know that you as the human you are, that's not something you want to do. So that is a roadblock. So that's like the entirety of the first part of the book is not so much just the fear of success, but what are these roadblocks that our mind is putting in front of us that we don't know is there because your subconscious mind is so under the surface. It's not things you think about. It's just everything is running on autopilot. And then the middle of the book, the second part is kind of your access point. Like how do you get into your subconscious mind to rework some of these things that are in your way. Um, and there's three things in my mind that are, are essential. One of them is meditation because meditation basically, it helps you ignore the stimulus around you. And I know that for some people are like, why would we ignore reality? Because you can't create a better reality by looking and f- focusing on and obsessing with what you currently have. So like meditation is that way of kind of stepping outside of it, closing your eyes, letting your mind see what else is possible. Um, so there's meditation, there's journaling I also put in the book. And then the third thing is, and I know it's biased for both myself and for you, but like hiring a coach straight up, because what do we do as coaches? We don't, I'm not an expert in any field that any of my clients work in. I'm an expert in like seeing their BS from a mile away. And I'm an expert in seeing their blind spots and seeing what they are or like hearing the things that they're saying and finding some of the patterns that are maybe keeping them stuck. That's what a coach does for you. Like that is their gift. And it was a gift to me for everybody that I've invested in as my coach. And it's what I give to my clients. But like, frankly, the way that I talk about it in the book is like, if you're going from New York to LA, there's several ways that you can get there. You could walk, you could drive, you could take a plane. The most costly is going to be to hop on a plane, but that's also going to get you there the fastest. You're not going to have to think about it. You sit in your chair, they take you there. You're there in what, four or five hours. Now, if you want to, if you want to walk, because you're stubborn and you want to do it by yourself, cool. It's going to take you a long time and it's going to suck. It's not going to be fun. It's going to cost you less money, maybe in the long run, maybe, probably not, but it's going to take you a long time. And my argument for coaches is like, we are, it's the plane ticket. It is, you're going to invest some money. Sure. And that's not going to feel great in the moment of like handing it over. But as soon as you hand it over and you know, it's not yours anymore it's the most freeing experience because now you know you're betting on yourself. Um, so that's like the middle of the book. How do you get into your subconscious mind? The third part of the Real book. Quick, I, yeah. love, I love that analogy so much. And there's so many other things you can plug into that analogy sure. about, you know, people are scared to get on planes just like they are with getting, uh, you know, a coach. So dude, it's, I love that analogy. It's, it's, <laughs> guys, listening, if you guys are trying to get, you know, uh, from A to B, realize the fastest way to do that is by getting a coach, whether it's Nick, myself, or somebody else. It's no plug. This is just being real. Find yeah. someone that's going to hold you accountable to your shit, tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. 
So sorry about the interruption. I oh, just no, need yeah. to put that in there. But go ahead. What, what's the third part of the book? Uh, so the third part of the book is basically, so the first two parts of the book is like, how do we get around all of these roadblocks, right? The first part is here's your roadblocks. Second part is how do we figure them out? The third part is now that we're a little free from these roadblocks and our path is a little more clear, how can we consciously create something in our life that's, that's pretty incredible? So that kind of comes back to taking responsibility for how you're thinking, believing, and, and acting. Um, like kind of understanding, like for me, um, <laughs> I, I jokingly say in the book, like I'm not a handyman. And it, it took me a very long time to figure out within my, my viewpoint of masculinity, how do I step into my role as husband and father when I don't really know how to build things. Like, so there's the whole third part of the book is like knowing yourself, what is, what are your strengths, um, taking responsibility for what you're doing and just really consciously creating your life. Now that you know that there are these things that are naturally going to show up in terms of the subconscious block. So that's kind of the, the scope of the book. And um, I mean, the, the reason that I wrote it was one, I lived through all of it. So I, I know kind of the pathway of like things that are going to get in our way and what to look for and things like that. But working with clients, just talking to people, like even talking to friends and family from back home and uh, not to say that they're stuck in any way, like they're probably enjoying their lives just fine. But just like hearing some of the things that they say, the way that they talk about themselves, their lives, their possibility and opportunity. It's just so amazing to me that some of us just don't know what we don't know. We don't know that there's these like literal things in your subconscious mind that are, are trapping you in. And I say in the book too, like it's not your comfort zone that you're trapped in. Everybody says that. Everybody's like, oh, I just got to get out of my comfort zone. I call it the familiar zone. Like you are not comfortable. You are overweight. You are broke. You are unhappy in your relationship. That's not comfortable. Please don't say you're in your comfort zone. You're <laughs> I love that you're familiar, like everything. Is, and this is true about my, my past relationship too. It wasn't comfortable. It was just familiar. I'd gotten used to the pattern of how things worked. And if you're in an abusive relationship or if you're overweight or if you're broke, like it's not fun, it's not comfortable, yeah. but you just get used to it. So I love that. This book I've never heard like, anybody really put it that way, but you're so right, man. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's a great distinction. I had a little light bulb go off there. So yeah, that's good. There's so many people that are just like, I, I'm just, I'm stuck in my comfort zone. I'm like, are you comfortable though? Are you sure? I don't think you are. Cause you wouldn't be talking to me about helping you. If you were comfortable, if you were comfortable, we would never talk. We would never have a conversation. <laughs> so frankly, you're not comfortable. You're familiar with your surroundings. Your subconscious mind has wrapped itself around your life so much that it doesn't want you to change. So it keeps you in place. And if you understand how your subconscious mind works and can kind of maneuver around a little bit, that's where you can start to kind of see the, the crack in the, in the structure and begin to make some changes in your life. So that's kind of the reason I wrote the book was for that. I love it, man. You're right, man. The, the more it wires or the more it fires, the more it wires, right? So right. if you've been doing the same thing for 20 years, it's, it's, it's wired pretty damn tight and it's going to take a lot of work to get out of it. And this book will definitely help. So where can they find it? They can find it on Amazon. Um, if you just look up my name or if you look up moving past mediocre, you will surely find it. Um, so yeah, that's, that's really the main hub. It's also on my website, movingpastmediocre.com slash book. Um, but I mean, we're all on Amazon. So just go ahead and, and search it up up there. Make it easy. Yes. Go get it guys. Moving past mediocre, but we're not done here. We got a few more minutes left. I got to ask you a few things. One is I'm going to give you a word and I want you, the first thing you think of, I want you to tell me what you think of, whether it's positive, negative, whatever it might be. First thought that comes to your mind. You ready? Oh, You're testing my subconscious mind. This isn't fair. Uh -huh. yeah, look, I have to tie it all into the book. All sure. right. You ready for this? Yeah, go ahead. All right. Failure. Sucks. Success. Amazing. Progress progress gratifying hustle no thank you <laughs> that's what i say to hustle no thank you uh money oh man my subconscious mind was like nah, but my conscious self is reacting and, and saying tool it is a beautiful tool the money is i love it awesome man and, and I always like to get people's you know, thoughts on it because you really get to see where their mindset is 
um, when it comes to just the word, right? And like, it's all about perspective. And yeah. imagine if you change one perspective of one of those things, like hustle, let's just say, if you just say, you know what? No, hustle's good. Right. Like you would be miserable. Like you'd be working all the time. Your wife would hate you. Your kid, like, so sure. it's just perspective and how we take action towards it. So I love that. Uh, tell me about this podcast that you and Julian Rosen are doing. Tell us um, kind of what the concept that you guys are going to be jamming on. Yeah, the, the concept, well, the name of the podcast is the new school of success. So our concept behind that is there's the old school. There is the hustle. There's the grind. There is, this is the amount of hours you need to put in every week to make a certain amount of money. That's kind of the, the template that, especially like men, frankly, that have been sold on for, for decades, for generations, like you need to put in the work. That's been the kind of go-to thing. Um, so with the work that Julie and I do with our clients and also just the work we've done on ourselves, we've realized that like there's a new set of rules here that maybe isn't being talked about enough. So him and I would, for, ever since we met for the last few years, we would kind of catch up on a phone call once a month. And we would just kind of chat about what we'd been experiencing in our business. Um, we'd both been invested in coaches for most of that time. So we'd like kind of share out things we'd been learning. And the, the most recent time we hopped on the phone, I think it was maybe in June or May. And I was like, Julian, all these conversations that we have, like we need to bring this to the light. Like there's, it's really wrong, not wrong of us, but it's like, we're kind of having these conversations in secret. And there's people that would benefit greatly from what we're talking about. And it's probably like people similar to who we were when we first started this whole process of trying to create something for ourselves. Cause him and I both like in the beginning, and I think everybody kind of has this kind of notion of, of what to do as soon as you want to create something for yourself is you go right to the old school rules. You go to the hustle, you go to the grind. I have to work a whole bunch. This is like the rules this is what I got to do. So we were like, no, you don't, you have to work on your mindset. You have to work on your emotional state. You have to still do some work. That's like non-negotiable. You can't just sit on your thumbs and meditate. Like that's just not going to bring you riches and, and everything you want. There's work to be done. But the way that I kind of see it and Julian sees it as we bring it to the podcast is before you go and put in the work, if you can maximize your mindset, if you can really harness your emotions so that your emotional state is in a place of positivity and joy and freedom and love, and use that and bring that to your actions. The hustle and grind is never necessary anymore because you don't have to put as much work in because you're bringing such a powerful state of who you are to that work. So that's kind of the premise of the podcast is trying to dispel this whole idea that you have to work your butt off in order to make yourself uh, a success. It's, it's really just an old, way of thinking. And we don't want that for the people that were like us when we started. Um, so the entire premise of the podcast is to try to give back to kind of our former selves and say like, this is, this is not the way you have to do things. Like we can start from a different place. Um, so most of it will just be him and I jamming on some, you know, some of these types of topics, but then we'll also have some interviews. Like we'll bring you on, we'll bring on some of our coaches and mentors that we've had. Um, just people that really understand this idea that like, it's not about putting in more hours than the next guy. It's about harnessing yourself and your mind and your emotions and everything else so that when you do go and put in the work and you make some, some time to, to do some work, you are getting the absolute most out of it. And then you get to go enjoy yourself afterward because frankly, I've, I've had clients, I've had people in my life that like, they work all the time and then when they're not working, they're thinking about work. And I'm like, guys, like what's going on? Like, can we enjoy ourselves a little bit? So like, that's, that's kind of the premise of the podcast. Like, let's live a life we enjoy. Let's live a life that we can be proud of and make the most of it. But how can we do that? Not from a place of, you know, scarcity and like, let's keep hustling. Let's keep grinding. Let's live a life that's more abundant and more loving and more fun and more free. That's kind of the, the premise. Yeah. I love that. So the new school of success. I mean, you guys listen to this, it will be launched uh, more than likely. So mm -hmm. make sure you guys go ahead and subscribe to that. And Julian's a phenomenal person. So Julian was at my retreat. Uh, so I invited him down to do a few sessions and we just clicked right away. A phenomenal human being. Um, and then I was actually in Chicago this, I think it was like two or three weeks ago, ran yeah. into him uh, after a Cubs game and we had a good time. Had a, a few Capri Suns on a rooftop. So, uh, it was great. And, and I can only imagine the content that you guys are going to deliver. So I just know the power, uh, not only just with the guests you're going to bring on, but when you guys are just jamming and you guys are just having the conversation, there's going to be yeah. tons of value. So make sure you guys go check that out. New School of Success. 
Um, this is the point of the show, man. Nick, if people have been taking notes, I don't know what the hell they're doing, but they need to grab a pen and paper because this is really where you tell them three things, three things that they could take action on to be better today than they were yesterday. And this could be in relationships. It could be in health. It could be in mindset, any equity of life. What are three things? Let me get my pen and paper ready. I'm actually going to use a pencil today. Ooh, it means you can erase it. I'm going <laughs> to If it's not good, I get to use the eraser. That is There you right. go. <laughs> so what are three things, man, that they can go ahead and take action on as soon as this podcast is over to be better today than they were yesterday and get that progress? Okay. First thing, and this is kind of how I start all of my coaching programs when I work with my clients. So you guys are getting a little free tidbit. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I kind of call it the bucket list activity where you think about whether it be what you want to do this year or what you want to do for the rest of your life putting down the tangible things that you want to create in your life, whether that be travel or a business goal or a career goal, what have you, write them down and then think about and, and do some mental work on what are the emotions that the achievement of this thing is going to give you. Because the way that I see it, especially because I, I do work exclusively with men, men are just like, we're go-getters, we're achievers, we want to go out and get the thing, we're hunters, right? But we never think about like, what is the the reason that we're doing it in the first place. And that backdrop, that emotional backdrop of when you travel, you probably want to feel freedom. When you make money, you probably want to feel secure. When uh, you lose the weight, you probably want to feel confident. Like all of these emotional backdrops, if we have a better understanding of what those are and start to not so much wait until we get the thing to feel that way, but start to feel that way and create that emotion for ourselves today, what happens is the, the tangible result comes, to, comes at us a lot faster because we start living in the, the emotional state of what we want to create. And if anybody's a, a woo-woo person like me, um, when you become the match of where you want to get to, when you become that emotional match to it, the tangible thing tends to meet you there because you're rising to the occasion. I always kind of use this phrase for this, like everybody knows the idea of dressing for the job you want, not the one you have. That's something that we throw around in, in America a lot. So rather than dressing for the job you want, step into the emotional state of what you want and live in that now so that it comes here a lot faster. So that's my first tip is figure out your bucket list, whatever it is, year from now, five years, 10 years, and then think of what is the emotional thing that you actually want to experience from that. Start living like that now and then watch as everything kind of unfolds from there. Um, so that's the first thing. Second thing, it's something that I've really come to, to peace with over the last year or so, ever since my daughter was born, is come back to who you actually are. Because frankly, there's so many of us that get into, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably listen to other podcasts, you probably read a bunch of books, you probably are very involved with trying to better yourself. If you think that bettering yourself means to build on top of who you already are, you're gonna end up keep continuing to build a skyscraper that you never really knew how to climb or to build in the first place. What I would suggest instead is, instead of building something, carve out all the nonsense that's not you and come back to who you originally were. And the reason I say this is, when my daughter was born, um, I mean, you have a little girl as well. How old's your little girl? Uh, she just turned two in May. Just turned two. So even before my daughter was born, I was an emotional guy. Like I, I was very connected to my emotional self and like I loved love. I was a romantic of sorts. And um, when I came into the game of coaching, I knew I wanted to be a men's life coach, but I showed up as what you would probably th think is the stereotypical men's life coach. Like I would show up and just start using fear-based tactics and telling guys to get off their ass and get to the gym. I would talk about how I was getting up at four in the morning because that's what I saw everybody else doing. I was being very aggressive in that sense, like being almost not masculine, but macho. I was like, this is how we live life. And um, it really wasn't me. And frankly, I didn't get a lot of clients because of it wasn't, it wasn't me. And when my daughter was born, like, and I'm sure you can attest to this, like my emotional lid flew off. Couldn't, I couldn't take it. I, I just, I had no way to, to keep that down anymore. So instead of posting about getting up at 4am to get to the gym, I was posting about, I'm up at 4am, I'm holding my daughter with tears in my eyes. And like all of the things that really resonated with me as a human being. And what happened was like, my business, it just took off. And I was like, why? It's because I started showing up as who I was. It wasn't, I wasn't 
trying to be someone else anymore. And that's my second tip is like, stop trying to be someone else. Yes, learn new skills. Yes, build on, on top of what you already know in terms of um, the, like the actual tangible skills in the world that you need. But at your core, you are a person that's unique. And trying to pretend to be John or pretend to be Nick or pretend to be Tony Robbins because you think they have good ideas or they're doing the right thing in the world, like there is a part of you that nobody else can be. And if you bring that to the table with the skill set that you've developed through other things, that is where you're going to maximize the life that you have. So it's not necessarily something you can do in the next day, but start to think about who are you at your core? Are you an emotional guy like I am? Are you um, a handy guy like I'm not? Are you someone that just knows somewhere in the, in the depths of who you are? Figure that guy out and bring him to the table or bring that girl to the table and know that that's okay. Not only is it okay, it's essential because there's only one you. That's it. So bring them to the table. Um, so that's the second thing. And the third thing, man, it's, um, it's something that I've, I've tried to, to be more conscious of is really just trusting your gut more. It's, uh, well, I say this because again, I coach men and we're very rational beings. We like to have the pros and cons. And we like to have the spreadsheet of all the things that could go wrong so we can plan for disaster. We like to be planners and all of these things. And um, the, the way that I see it is when you trust your gut and your intuition and like really follow that, the rational explanation will follow as you get a few steps down that path. Because there was so much so many things that, whether it be in my business or my life, that I've, I've stopped myself from doing because I, I didn't have the details up front. I didn't have the evidence up front. So I was like, yeah, maybe not. I'll wait, I'll wait, I'll wait. But the moments where I just did it because it felt like it was something I should be doing, eventually the very crystal clear rational explanation came to me as I got a few steps down the line. Like I was saying when I met my wife, so if you've been here the entire interview, uh, if, when I met my wife, I told everyone that I knew that I wanted to be single for two years. That was the rational side of my mind that was, I'm going to be single. And then I met my wife and I was like, I think I'm done. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm set. Like I have this woman. And um, even though my rational side of my mind was like, no, 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 you said two years, you give it two years. The part of my intuition that was like, no, do go, you're done. And I just followed that. And after, you know, months and months and a year or so, and it was just good. I mean, it's the best decision I've ever made in my life. Not because I had all of these details in front of me. At the time, we weren't living in the same city. Like I drove an hour and a half once a week to go see her. Like it didn't make sense. But my heart and my gut were like, go. So I did. And I got the rational explanation over time that this is the best thing that's ever happened to you but I didn't get to have that information in the beginning. So trust your gut more, trust your intuition more, even if you don't have the rational facts in front of you, follow the path, trust that your inner being, your person that you are, that unique version that we talked about, they know what they're doing. Let them take the wheel and you will figure it out as you go. I promise. I love that. Amazing, man. Those three things. So number one, the bucket list that he talks about, I talk about living life list, find the emotion behind it because that thing on the living life, the bucket list, whatever it is, that's just a vehicle to get to the emotion. Number two is be authentic. Like yeah. be proud to be authentic. And I think I love that part about it of like, you, you know, understand that you are unique and that causes that authenticity that this world needs. Right. Um, and, and that's amazing. And then last but not least, trust your gut, trust your gut and, and intuition. Um, and, and, you know, those three things right there, if they just follow those three things over the course of the next six months, they're going to see progress, man. I appreciate that so much. Um, three bombs were just dropped. That will get you progression, I promise you. So, Nick, man, first off, I want to say thanks for wearing the same color blue T-shirt as me. Yeah, um, man. I don't, I don't understand how that happened. It's like, <laughs> like a, you know, weird, weird thing that just happened here. Thank sure. you for growing a little bit of beard out with me. Um, once again, people might think we're twins on here. If I didn't have my hat on, um, but I really want to appreciate you jumping on here, bro. Um, you know, I, I, I love your content you push out. I love the authenticity. I love the rawness, the realness, um, and being truthful and honest and vulnerability. Um, tell everybody where they could find you, where they could stalk you, where they can creep on you. Ah, where can they creep? Uh, on Instagram, you can find me at Nick underscore moving past mediocre. Same title as the book. 
Facebook and LinkedIn, I'm, I'm active on both of those. So you can find me, just look at my name, Nick Maytash. It's M-A-T-I-A-S-H. It does not pronounce like it looks. So just roll with it. It's Maytash. Um, but you can find me there. I'm usually one of the only people because Maytash is a weird last name. and There's really nobody else uh, like me. True to the unique point. It's, it's really just me. Um, so yeah, you can find me there, stalk me there. And if anything that we talked about here resonated with you, like feel free to message me. There's so many times that I've listened to a podcast. And I'm like, oh, they said some really cool things there. But I felt intimidated because they were on a podcast. So I didn't feel like they sh I should reach out to them. Like reach out to both of us. Like, let's have a conversation. We can be real humans. You don't have to pay me a certain amount of money until it becomes a formal relationship of coaching. But in the meantime, reach out. Let's talk. Let's chat. Yes, yes, guys. Make sure you guys go ahead and reach out to him. DM him. Slide in his DMs. If you guys have any questions, ahas, let him know. And always... Please make sure with this podcast that you guys are sharing it out to somebody that you know can get value out of it. If you heard something, you're like, oh my God, this guy or this girl could really use this nugget. Please send them this podcast. Um, write a review on here as well because we want to make sure that everybody knows the ahas that are in these episodes so, so more people can listen to it so that we're obviously reaching more people and changing the world. Uh, Nick, before I let you go, any last parting words? Man, I think we've covered a lot here. So uh, I'll, I'll keep it short and sweet. Like, Go out into the world and do something that means to you because means something to you, I should say, because there's too many of us that are going through the motions and thinking that at some point it's just going to dawn on us and we're going to go from there. But like find something that means something to you, do it, do it with passion, do it with curiosity, let it just open yourself up to whatever happens from there and beautiful things can happen. Trust me. I love that, man. Thank you so much for your time today. Guys, don't forget to take the action on at least one thing, one thing that Nick talked about today. Um, reach out to him, reach out to myself. Let us know what the ahas were. Don't forget to subscribe to this if you're watching on YouTube. Hit the little bell if you're listening to it on iTunes or whatever. Make sure you just hit that subscribe button so you guys get notified every time we drop an episode. But until then, guys, keep crushing it and keep creating the ultimate version of you. Let's go!